As we turn to Psalm 134 this morning, we find ourselves home at last. Home at last. And what we will see as we meditate on this text this morning is the great promise and truth that heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. Later this month, my parents are trying to visit us and see their grandkids. It looks like they will not be able to do so because of the borders still being closed between Norway and the U.S. And if that's the case, and we come into September, it will have been two years since uh, I've seen my mother or father or they've seen their grandchildren. It's two years since Deborah's seen her parents and since we've seen family. And uh, it's hard. It's hard to be away from family that long. Uh, And as for you, I'm sure you've had similar experiences at time when you're far from home or uh, perhaps you're estranged from one parent or another. Or perhaps you feel like, I have no home anymore. I don't know what home is. And that's a very real experience for each one of us. Where is home? And how much more is that a reality for us as God's people, Old and New Testament, who had no home on earth, who were at times promised a home in the land of Israel, where at one time the Lord dwelled, where at time these pilgrims that we've been reading about in this series of the Psalms of Ascents were, were saying, is this the time when God would bless us and return to the land and indwell the temple once more? And they were scattered throughout the, the ancient Near East, by wicked emperors and kings, and then God sovereignly works through a pagan king to allow them to go back and rebuild the temple. But even in the land, they're being persecuted once again. And Zerubbabel's temple was rather short-lived itself. It it didn't have the glory that Solomon's temple had. And we come to the days of Herod and other uh, half-Jewish, half-pagan Kings are ruling and corrupting the system. Where is, where is home? Where is God? Will he keep his promises? And I'm going to argue this morning that the answer is yes. And he has answered every one of them in Christ. And we will get there. I'd like to see three things, uh, or to show you three things from Psalm 134 this morning. The first is that heaven is our home. I'm going to make an argument from the structure of the Psalms of Ascents as well as from biblical theology. And then we are going to look at how we are pilgrim priests on earth. And then we will look at how our Lord Jesus will bring the ultimate blessing from Zion. So these are the three things we will look at this morning So first, heaven is our home. We need to know that heaven is our home. 
As I said already, the, these ancient pilgrims who sang these songs, the songs of Zion, were expecting the physical land of Israel to be their home. They were expecting this was the time, this had to be the time when Messiah would come and would deliver them and bring them into all the blessings that were promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And we know that God did not choose to answer those prayers at that time. And that in the New Testament, we still have the Christians saying, is this the time? Is this the time where God will bless us? The writer of Hebrews wrote to a church that was asking these same questions. Is this the time? when God will bring the blessing. And if it is, why are we still being persecuted? Why are we still being mocked and ridiculed on earth? And remember what the writer of Hebrews did in Hebrews 11, where he writes about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Remember what the writer of Hebrews said to them. He said, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, in other words, pilgrims. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. All of these Old Testament pilgrims, strangers and exiles, the writer of Hebrews tells us, were seeking a homeland, but not one on earth. They were seeking a better country, a heavenly country. For here we have no lasting city. but we seek the city that is to come. Or as Paul tells the church of Philippi in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. The hallmark of God's people on earth is that they are pilgrims. Strangers and exiles on earth seeking a better city, a better country, a better homeland that is a heavenly one. For here we have no lasting city. But as we look at Psalm 134 and we look at the structure of the Psalms of Ascent as a home, we are reminded of that same thing. 
Remember Psalms, the Psalms of Ascents begin with Psalm 120, where they're longing for God among pagans. They, the psalmist is saying, I stand for peace, but when I speak, they prepare for war. He says, uh, as we sang this morning, Woe to me that I sojourn so long in Meshech's land that I have made my dwelling where the tents of Kedar stand. Too long my soul has made its home with those who peace abhor. That's the experience of the psalmist and that's the experience of God's people as a whole. And we long for God while living among pagans. But in the structure of the psalm, we see this, of the psalms of a sense, we see this move in Psalm 120 from, from lamenting that I'm in a pagan land where people hate me because I stand for God. We see them to move to Psalm 121. I lift my eyes unto the hills. From where will come my aid? My help comes only from the Lord who heaven and earth has made. And then Psalm 122, I was filled with joy and gladness when I heard them say to me, let us make a pilgrim journey to the Lord's house. We will see. And in the Psalms of Ascent, we see the beginning of this journey from the pagan lands to the call to the house of the Lord. And the rest of these Psalms of Ascent have gone through the undulating experience of God's people, of Suffering, of needing to look to God, of pain, of needing to stand firm in faith, of sorrow, of needing hope. And all of this, the undulating experience of our life, where we have good days and bad days, where we have days where we feel the blessing of the Lord and days when we ask, where is he? And finally, it takes us to the house of the Lord itself in Jerusalem in Psalm 134. And so we see Psalm 120 serving as this, this prologue, this introduction to the Psalms of Ascents. And then Psalm 134 serves as the benediction, the epilogue, the, the conclusion of the Psalms of Ascents where God's people are in the house of the Lord. But we know from the greater revelation of the New Testament that the Zion that is spoken of in Psalm 134 is not a physical mountain but it is the dwelling place of God in heaven. And we have also seen that it also speaks of the dwelling place of God on earth, which is his church, which we saw in Ephesians 2, Paul says, is a holy temple in the Lord, the dwelling place of God on earth, so that we are Mount Zion's embassy on earth. When we gather the church, and we as the temple of the Lord, as a church and individually, we our sovereign soil on earth so that we are not altogether without witness and hope and not altogether without home. For we taste our home in heaven as we gather here as saints on earth to sing the praises of Zion. Heaven is our home. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And the structure of the Psalms of Ascents themselves show us that we're on this pilgrim journey to the house of the Lord. And the New Testament shows us that that journey is to heaven itself. Secondly, we need to see that we are pilgrim priests who are given a duty. We are pilgrim priests who are given a duty. 
And this argument comes from verses 1 and 2, where the psalmist says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Here in verses 1 to 2, we see that we are pilgrim priests given a duty. In the original context, this is a psalm spoken and aimed towards the Levites who assisted the priests in the sacrifices to Yahweh, to the Lord. And the Levites had all sorts of duties to sing. They had duties to uh, help prepare the sacrifices to take care of the temple or the tabernacle before the temple. That was their duty. And they had night shifts and they had day shifts. And they were in the house of the Lord at all times as the Levites. And they would go on shifts, but the Levites were always there to assist God, uh, or to assist, excuse me, to assist the priests in the worship of God. They stood by night and by day. But as we again move to the New Testament to seek fuller understanding of what is going on here, we see hints of something changing. Like Anna in Luke chapter 2, who was married for seven years and then became a widow and spent the rest of her life in the temple and speaking about the redemption of God that would come. She was waiting for the blessing of the Lord. And in the fullness of the gospel and of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and his outpouring of the Spirit upon us, we come to understand that we ourselves are made priests, to God. Peter tells the church that he wrote to in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're told we are, we are priests who get to proclaim the glory of God. Isn't that marvelous? Now, some people have used this to say that everyone's a pastor or everyone's an elder or everyone's a... That this is, verse is not to discount the role of, of gifts and spiritual leaders, but in the sense that every member of the church is called to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the excellencies of God. We are priests. We intercede on behalf of fallen people and beseech them to worship the Lord, to have faith in Christ, to glory in his name, to bless the Lord. Paul himself viewed his work as a church planter to the Gentiles, as an apostle to the Gentiles. He viewed it as his priestly ministry. Paul wrote the church at Rome in chapter 15, 
But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And in this way, Paul saw that the offering he made to God as a priest to God was his ministry of the gospel to the Gentiles. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, we're reminded that we are scattered pilgrim priests for a reason. We are scattered far from home for a reason. As Jesus told his disciples, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are scattered as pilgrim priests for a reason, because we are to be God's witnesses in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So that the way that we bless the Lord today in his house is not by coming to one building and staying there, but it's by being scattered throughout the entire world as traveling pilgrim priests to offer ourselves in the service of God who saved us in Jesus. In Psalm 134, the, the Levites are being exhorted to lift up their hands in the holy place and to bless the Lord. And one of their jobs was to sing and worship the Lord in the holy place and, and, to, and to raise their hands to the holy of holies in praise to God. But how are we to be priests to God? What is, how do we bless the Lord today? What does that look like to bless the Lord as a royal priesthood? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 says, We bless the Lord by praising him with our mouths. We bless the Lord by praising him with our mouths. He says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And the writer of Hebrews in that chapter also lists a whole host of ways from brotherly love to showing to doing good and sharing what we have as ways that we offer sacrifices to God. For there in 13:15 he says, "Do not neglect to do good." And to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we see the New Testament writers picking up this theme of priesthood of sacrifice. But it is, it's, we're no longer killing sheep or, or bulls or goats. For the blood, the once for all eternity blood has been shed by Jesus. That now we offer spiritual sacrifices to God through our lips and through our actions that become a praise and a blessing to God. Paul picks up this theme in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. The way we bless the Lord is not just giving lip service, but offering our bodies themselves, our hearts, our minds, our hands, as spiritual worship because of the mercies of God to us in Jesus Christ. And so in summary fashion, we can say with Paul, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's, that's the sum total of our priestly service. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Or as we say in our confession in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question one, what is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So we have a duty to bless the Lord through praise and through a living sacrifice of doing good and representing God on earth. Lastly, I want you to see that we are pilgrim priests with the Lord's blessing. We are pilgrim priests with the Lord's blessing. This theme of of uh, blessing, I hope you picked up in Psalm 134 because it's it's used in verse 1, it's used in verse 2, and it's used for verse 3. If you see a word repeated or an idea repeated over and over in a text, it's a it's it's a it's a good idea to pay attention because that's probably what it's all about in the theme. Blessing. Blessing. And this is a benediction for these pilgrim priests. God's people are to bless the Lord day and night. Bless the Lord. But they also bless the Lord because there is a blessing that is bestowed upon them. And look in verse 3. Now the psalmist turns from an exhortation to a promise and to a benediction. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. We've seen in the context of the Psalms of Ascents that there's a heavy focus on Zion at the end of the Psalms of Ascents. We saw in Psalm 132 the, the, the call, Lord, remember David, remember your covenant, and then the promise that the Lord has chosen Zion. And then in Psalm 133, we reminded, we're reminded that brotherly church unity is a divine gift from God and it is like the dew that descends on Hermon and on Zion's hill descends. And the psalmist says, for there the Lord has bestowed the gift of life that never ends. And then Psalm 134, again, a focus on Zion of our end destination. And we can be a kingdom, a a royal priesthood to bless the Lord because there is also the Lord's blessing that has been proclaimed to us. And this theme of bless the Lord and the Lord bless you is picked up in Ephesians chapter 1, which we read in our scripture reading this morning, where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ 
So Paul in his priestly service to the Gentiles is blessing God for blessing us. We bless God because he has blessed us. We love God because he loved us first. And so Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He didn't say most of the spiritual blessings. He said every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And he goes on to talk about redemption. And he goes on to talk about the sealing of the Spirit, that we are heirs of the promises to come, that will descend from the heavenly Zion at the end of days. But we have heavenly blessings now, my friends, through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us and united us to himself, who has justified us and sanctified us, and through whom we have adoption as sons with the Father. We become his children. We have the indwelling spirit. We have the means by the spirit of Jesus' words, Behold, I am with, with you always to the end of the earth. We are made holy temples in the Lord. We are a holy temple as the church, the dwelling place of God. All of these spiritual realities have already been poured out on us now. All of these blessings have come to us. So when the psalmist says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, we can say, praise the Lord for he has blessed us from Zion with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places now. He has already done these things. But there are heavenly blessings to come as well. There are heavenly blessings to come. Remember what the the angels said to the disciples who were looking up as Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? I think we could all understand why they were looking into heaven. <laughs> Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? I love when Jesus asks rhetorical questions to kind of poke us and poke his disciples and the angels do it here. Why are you looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Why are you looking? He's going to come back. Jesus told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am you may also be. So 
So why are our hearts troubled in days of conflict, in days of just grieving home, in days of grieving the fact that things aren't the way we want them to be? Why, why do we let our hearts be troubled when we have such gracious things that have been given to us already and that will be given to us at the end of days when what, will, what is written in Revelation 22 will come to pass? No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants His servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. We've seen this morning that heaven is our home that we are pilgrim priests called to bless and serve the Lord with spiritual sacrifices and that our Lord Jesus Christ will bring the blessing. We are pilgrim priests who have received the blessing and we will, as John said in Revelation, serve him and worship him world without end, reign with him in the new creation forever and ever. So let your hearts not be troubled on earth, Christian, but bless the Lord who has blessed us from Zion, who is the maker of heaven and earth, and who is the one who has shown us the pathway of life where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It has been a good journey with you through these Psalms of Ascents. And I want to, in closing, just give a few kind of wrap-up words of encouragement or ways to think about the Psalms of Ascents uh, for the days and years ahead because I encourage you to make these your songs, your traveling songs. Uh, First, do not lose sight of the destination. Do do not look at the home you drive home to today, whether you own it or rent it, or the one you want to live in. Do not make that your end destination. Do not lose sight of, of the goal, of where we're going. When we put our eyes on other things, that's when the troubles begin, Right? And these Psalms of Ascents point us to Zion. And that is where we're going. So let's keep our eyes fixed there. For our Lord Jesus is seated there, ruling and reigning. Secondly, appreciate the fact that God has given us a Mount Zion on earth, which is the church, God's people. That when we gather together, We are the temple of God. And when we scatter, we as individuals are still the temple of God. For the Spirit dwells in us. So I want to encourage you to take care 
of God's temple. Take care of God's temple, your own life, body, mind, and heart, and the church. For we are an embassy to the Lord, God's sovereign soil on earth. And then lastly, don't forget the soundtrack. The Psalms of Ascents are travel songs. You know, I see one of my brothers here laughing uh, at, the, at the idea. But they are. There are travel songs on earth. When you go on a road trip, you know, you put in the tunes. I'm old enough to remember when you'd have to, like, play one tape and record it on the song on another tape. And then you'd pull the one tape out and put another one in and record that song. And you'd make a mixtape. You know, and then you could make like a mixed CD, you know, back in the days of analog technology and the early digital technology. But we'd put together your road trip songs. Well, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we've been given the songs of Zion. These travel songs, these psalms of ascents that we should be singing on our journey to heaven. So I would encourage you to sing these psalms and uh, commit them to memory and sing them with your family. In the greatest days of church history, when God's people were faithful yet suffering, God's people were known as God's people because they sang the psalms. They heard them singing the psalms. So sing the psalms and the songs of Zion as your soundtrack and I can speak from personal experiences. My family has been doing this for a couple years now that they will come to you in the moment of darkness and they will come to you in days of praise and they will come to you in every experience in between. So make the Psalms of Ascents, along with the rest of the Psalms, of course, your soundtrack for your earthly pilgrimage to the heavenly Zion to come. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord bless us from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Amen.